Hey y'all, this is your girl Amber reaching your potential. In this episode, I have my dear friend with me, another Black health professional. She is a physical therapist out in Florida, and I'm very excited to bring her onto the show. We're going to talk all about being in the health field, being a Black health professional, and even about her specialty um, as a physical therapist. So let's get started. So today I have my friend Annie on the podcast. She's going to introduce herself a little bit and you guys are going to get to know such how amazing she is. She's such a great person. <laughs> so everyone meet Annie. Hi everyone. Um, my name is Dr. Annie Hughes. Um, like Amber mentioned, I'm a physical therapist out in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I've been a physical therapist for a little over a year and a half now. And um, yeah, I'm still learning, still kind of like trying to get in the trenches and just learning as much as I can from as much as many people as I can. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> and as we continue in the conversation, it's just gonna flow. You know, people are gonna get to know who you are, like inside and outside of PT, because. As you know, like being a minority in the field is definitely some challenges and we can definitely discuss some things that you may have experienced or may have some peers that may experience the same and things of that nature. But before we get started with that topic, I want to know, how did you know you wanted to be a physical therapist? Um, So I realized pretty early on that I wanted to be a physical therapist, probably around like 15, 16. Um, I was a I was an athlete growing up. I played soccer, and my freshman year of the soccer season in high school, I tore my ACL, MCL, and meniscus on my right knee. Had surgery, you know, all that. Had to do pre and post rehab. Up until that point, I didn't even know what physical therapy was. I didn't know like what that profession was at all. Um, but so after the surgery, I had like maybe six to eight months of physical therapy that I had to do. They got me back into shape, like playing soccer again. And the following year, I did the same thing on the other side. And so I was back with the same therapist. I know, I know. I was back with the same therapist, um, the same clinic. And I realized like, wow, you know, there's a profession out there that focuses on the body focuses on strengthening focuses on like getting people back to their goals and playing the sport or you know doing whatever activity they want to do um in a safe way and so ever since ever since that moment I I knew that like going forward that's kind of something that I wanted to do for sure oh wow like I didn't even know about that whole ordeal with the same injury happened like almost a whole year later that's literally like it was like I played it was like the second game of the season and bam the other side and like the first the first one was like contact so like a girl came you know the typical twisting of the knee you hear a pop fall down can't get back up the second one I literally was just running down the sideline and I fell (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, oh my God. man, like really? <laughs> terrible, terrible. So, but even like those, unfortunately, like these type of experiences do lead you to a profession that you can help people who may experience something similar or just have, you know, certain type of orthopedic injuries, things of that nature. So that's like really interesting to hear. Like for, yeah. for me, I never, I did track and I never had like an injury that severe, like an ACL, MCL, knock on wood. But um, the worst I've had was a, um, a fracture in my foot. So um, I was out for like two months or something like that. And I got like a little bit of therapy, but nothing too severe because it was my sesamoid. So it was like, it's like the smallest bone ever. So like, (laughs) like you can't really do too much with that. But um, even from OT, like an OT perspective, because I like working with older adults is because of my relationship with my great grandparents and my grandmothers and seeing how they're aging well and seeing that like, okay, there's something interesting about working with older adults um, because a lot of people don't want to work with them because of all these different stigmas. And it's, it's really sad to see that like a lot of these older adults are suffering from isolation and like lack of socialization from other people or families just taking them to nursing homes and things of that nature. But allowing them to tell their story, but also me helping them try to get back to these meaningful occupations or like these really simple tasks that we see as simple, but it takes so much energy out of them just to perform it. So I saw it in that sense, like, okay, how can I help somebody get to do these simple tasks on a daily basis? But then at the end of the day, most of these older adults can be like my grandmother, my grandfather, my great grandparents. So also thinking that in the back of my head, like this is somebody's loved one and I want to treat them as such, not just like, as like, okay, just to check them off the list that I saw them for, for therapy, you know, like they are, they are a person, you know, like they have feelings, they have emotions, even though they may not have, they may not be cognitively aware of what's going on, but you just have to think of all those factors when you're treating patients at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I agree for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit deeper into the specialty that you work in, in physical therapy. Cause I know you can work in so many different aspects of it. Same thing with OT, but um, can you talk a little bit about the specialty you work in right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I mostly work in the orthopedic sports outpatient setting, meaning um, I see a wide range of typically active individuals from high school athletes, uh, basketball players, football players, things like that, all the way to, you know, your uh, middle age, you know, mom and dad or whoever that, you know, want to play tennis on the weekend or uh, anything like that, just like active individuals. I I work with a lot of hikers. Um, I worked at the kind of competitive level. level, So I've worked, uh, you know, the NFL combine, I've worked with an Olympic athlete. So um, I typically stay in like the performance out ortho outpatient realm. um, And that's what I enjoy the most. Awesome. And would you say that that specialty was more in terms of like, kind of like your upbringing, like as an athlete? 
Yeah. So as an athlete growing up, like I was always interested about like in the body. I liked working out. I liked being active. I knew that that was something that I was very, very interested in. And then in college, my major was physiology and kinesiology. Again, like more uh, movement focused, body focused. So I learned a lot about the mechanics of the body, how the body works, how it moves. And I just find enjoyment in getting people back to that. You know, and I know that it doesn't necessarily have to be in an outpatient ortho setting that you do that, because just like you mentioned, the older population needs that just as just as much, if not more. But I just, you know, I, I, I have more fun being able to be creative with with the movements, with the exercises and knowing that my patient is also enjoying it. Right. So there's there's people that know they need it, but they're like, oh, like, I don't want to do this. But then there's people that they're like, okay, yeah, I, I like these exercises, push me, um, you know, let's, let's do it kind of thing. So I think that one, it's um, from a personal level, I, I can relate a lot more to, to this population, but also just finding uh, more ways to be creative and the way that I get to treat these individuals. Yeah, no, I agree. I always think of myself, like, if I had to choose, like, I would love to be in a setting similar to that, like kind of like dealing with sports performance or people that are a little bit more motivated. Because as you said, it's hard when you have a patient or somebody or a client who you know they will benefit from OTPT, whatever, but then they're just like not motivated to do anything, you know? Right. And, and that's kind of like mostly my patients because they're. 85 and above where they already live their life you know and they have these other like chronic conditions that are going to contradict that like intensity of like exercises so you can't really do too much with them so like I always saw myself as like somebody that would definitely love to work with like outpatient or like I always heard like very mixed reviews for outpatient for specifically for OTs Mm. Um, not necessarily like in the PT setting, but like OTs, I just heard it's like very demanding, just very fast paced, but I have seen a few that I have good experiences, but overall, I think it's like maybe not my cup of tea based on like how I live my life right now. Um, (laughs) I I don't have time for like just the over demanding portion of outpatient for OTs. I feel like the skilled nursing facility is like my cup of tea right now in terms of like working with the patients, especially like long-term patients. I know how everything runs and I know there's a certain limit that they can, (laughs) that they can reach in order to like reach their maximum potential at that time. The nice part about it is, as you said, like having those clients that are motivated and wants to get pushed is like, it makes your job easier than like challenging you guys meet at the same point you know like you come in with your knowledge you come with those skills you know the goals that they need to meet and they have goals as well but also they're motivated they're motivated enough to perform the exercises or perform whatever you give them so they can like get better get stronger um and as you said like the goals that they have whether they want to go back to tennis or prepare for a hike that they're they have prepared in the next couple of months or so like they have specific goals that are going to help them. And like those intense physical therapy sessions are going to help them get there. Right. So let's go deeper 
And we're gonna now talk about being a clinician as a black person. But like also fun fact, we're both Panamanian. So it's so like it's it's such an interesting story about how we found out. I forgot how we found out that we're both Panamanian, actually. I forgot. I think I mentioned it and then you said, oh, me too, or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. So like fun fact with um Annie and I, we're also both RKC certified. So we're both um certified in the Russian kettlebell um, certification and that's how we kind of um, connected in that way so when I found out she was a physical therapist and black and female and amazing I was like oh I already love her already <laughs> and then when we met in person I believe I think it was like kettlebell weekend or something but she mentioned that she was Panamanian and I was like wait me too I'm like you know you don't meet that many Panamanians at all so you I thought <laughs> really don't so like I thought that was just so awesome that we could connect in that in that type of way yeah. so yes as as that kind of goes into us the next question is like how do you go about being um, a health clinician who is a minority a black female and a predominantly white and probably um I believe PT is predominantly like male is it predominantly male or I think I think it's becoming it used to be predominantly female I believe okay but you are starting to see a lot more like male male dom especially like in the sports got it worth the realm it's it's heavily populated by males for sure got it yeah um, so like how do you feel about that or like can you kind of walk me through even being a black PT student like how did your cohort look um, how were your clinicals looking? And even now as a clinician, you, you're about over a year now. Um, how do you feel you're kind of going through this journey? Right. Um, so luckily for me, my cohort at school was actually pretty diverse. Um, Black and Hispanic students were the majority, actually. Um, so that was actually really, really nice to like be surrounded by more people that that looked like me and kind of had that uh, that mindset that like, you know, we're going into a profession that is minority or majority of a white population. Um, so it was nice to be around other people that looked like me and like had that same kind of mentality. Uh, and then going on to my clinicals, that was like a whole different ball game because now you're in the real world where you know you don't see a lot of physical therapists that look like me um especially not like black females uh i think in the last year and a half outside of school i may have met like one or two black physical therapists like in person you know i may have seen people online but like in person maybe one or two i can definitely count them on one hand um so it's it's intimidating sometimes and it's it's sometimes I feel like I have a lot of responsibility to you know just like be the best that I can be number one in a field of people that are you know different from me right because I'm the minority in this but then also for people that are seeking physical therapy that look like me you know I've had the situation where I've, I've had patients that are like oh my gosh like it's so awesome that you're a physical therapist and you're black or, 
oh my goodness, like it's awesome that you're a physical therapist and you speak Spanish. Like I've had uh, Spanish speaking patients that, you know, are like relieved almost when they find out that I speak Spanish because they're like, okay, now I can communicate better than I could in English, right? So it's, uh, I think it's a blessing that I'm able to, to be that for somebody, uh, you know, whether it's a role model or kind of like, a breath of fresh air, like, okay, this person looks like me, I feel more comfortable telling them everything that I need to tell them, or I'm able to communicate in my language without, you know, having to skip over parts or like, you know, the difficulty of not speaking the, the same language that most, uh, most physical therapists speak, which is primarily English. So, so that's, you know, I think that in that part, I'm, I'm really blessed that I'm able to be that somebody for for my patients um and then you know it's just i i try to to find all the all the minority pts and just be like hey we need to be friends and stick together because there's not a whole lot of us like at all it's 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 crazy how that works out i think it the the percent i don't know what the exact percentage is but i know it's like very low you know like maybe like 10 percent or maybe even less than that of of black female physical therapists for sure. Um, so it's definitely, uh, you know, I, I try to try to put my best foot forward every single day because, you know, you ain't got no other choice. You just gotta, you gotta keep going. <laughs> That's so true. So I, I try to be the best representation of like somebody that would look up to me that I can possibly be, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like that role, as you said, like that role model or somebody that feels relief that you are the therapist versus like somebody else that doesn't represent their race or the language that they speak. And even when you mentioned that too, because like I'm awful, you already know. I don't think everybody knows about me, but even though I'm Panamanian, I, I cannot speak Spanish well and it sucks. And I'm so sad that I like lost how that goes. And I, I do need to continue to practice because I feel like once I continue to practice, I'll get better. But I yeah. feel terrible when I have Spanish speaking patients. I'm like, Amber, you should know how to speak Spanish. Like, this is terrible. Like you're, you're not, this is not it. But as you, <laughs> but as you mentioned, like that really puts any patient or a client that speaks Spanish relief because they try to speak English for you to understand what they're saying but you know it's a struggle for them and then when they have somebody that speaks their language they're just like oh thank goodness like I don't have to put extra effort into something that like when I just want to focus on the therapy or I just want to focus on the session like right. the language part is like something I'm really not trying to focus on right now. Yeah. So um, I'm so glad you mentioned that as well. Like not just being a person of color, but also like somebody that speaks a second language. And that just gives you like even a higher value of like the therapist that you are. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and I was going to mention as well that you were saying that um, the percentage of Black PTs, but then also like female Black PTs is probably so small like even for OTs right now, for just black therapists that are in OT, it's five percent. Wow, which is absurd! Like it doesn't make any sense why, like why that is so low. And OT is a predominantly female um, profession. There's barely any males, so just finding a black OT is like 
a jewel <laughs> because <laughs> it's like probably like less than one percent of like black OTs that are male. It's like mm-hmm. so sad. And I know I know at least three that are black male OTs, which is like a lot. I know exactly like it's crazy but like and then as you said like when you meet somebody that is black that's in your profession like you just automatically want to be friends with them because they understand what you're going through they understand the value that we do have as black clinicians and what we can offer to the table when it comes to our therapy sessions and just like rehab in general yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go into, um, since we're both kettlebell certified, I want to kind of talk about how do you implement kettlebells into your PT sessions with your clients? Yeah. So probably, I want to say probably every single one of my clients touches a kettlebell, like in one way or another, whether it's for mobility wow. or for... <laughs> strengthening, you know, cardio, whatever, like I have, I have something for everyone that it it involves a kettlebell and, you know, it just, I think it, it naturally happens that way uh, because the kettlebell is just so versatile, right? Like these people are coming from a place of sometimes fear, sometimes insecurity, sometimes, um, frustration about working out because they either have been in so much pain, you know, for, for a long time, or, um, they've gotten hurt, you know, the typical story of like the, the deadlifts where like they did a deadlift or a heavy squat and they felt like their back kind of go out, go out, you know, or something like that. Um, so I think that the kettlebell is just, just, it's a great pathway back to, um, strength training and it's it's less intimidating you know people see a, a kettlebell and it's not like this big massive thing um, and there's just so many things that you can do with them you know so many functional things a lot of I, I use them for farmer carries for squats for deadlifts um, some of my patients even get into the more dynamic stuff like the swings and the snatches and things like that and I think it's it's just a good way to get them back into strengthening. And then, it, you know, they can they can buy kettlebells and keep them at home and then continue their program at home. So it's a lot easier than prescribing something that is like a barbell squat or something. Which, I mean, those are great exercises too and great tools to use. Uh, I just think that when it comes to versatility and, and, and just what you can do, accessibility as well, the kettlebell is just my go-to. Um, you know, dumbbells are great. And if, if my patients have dumbbells and we'll switch over to dumbbells, you know, again, it's whatever, whatever modality you're using, I think as long as you're getting the patient back to what they're trying to do, that's the most important thing. I just naturally gravitate towards the kettlebells. I mean, I do know that I have a bias towards them and, um, and I make sure that I explain everything to my patients and, uh, make sure that they're comfortable with the kettlebells. And it just so happens that whenever they start working with them, they just, they also start to like it and love it. And they, they're like, okay, I need to get kettlebells for my house. Or, you know, I need to get kettlebells to be able to do this when I'm away on vacation or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I think it's just, it's a good tool to, to have 
for all those reasons. And, you know, not everyone that I see does a kettlebell swing, but most people are using it for like mobility or for strengthening or for some functional movement that they're able to then carry that to their home or to whatever gym they go to outside of seeing me. Right. I love that. Um, I think that's just a great idea for everybody to hear that one, not one modality will fit everybody's goal because everybody's different. Everybody has a specific goal, whether they want to get stronger or they just want to reduce low back pain or they want to improve their activity tolerance or their endurance for something. So like the kettlebell does have all these different criteria where you can meet a cardiovascular goal, a strength goal, um, and a, like a power goal or whatever, like the client or the patient has in terms of like what their goal is. Yeah. So like for me, I don't use them with my patients at my OT job for sure. Um, we don't have no kettles in there and I'm so glad we don't because <laughs> it's not going to be used. Like it's just not going to be used. Um, but I am happy that like with the um, RKC cert, I do have some clients where I am teaching them either in person or virtually um, how to use the kettlebell and, you know, in the safe and effective way. And um, my oldest client um I don't like to say old because she's really not old but like my my oldest client she's in her 50s and I remember she was telling me as we were starting um her fitness journey with like with me and her together as like client and coach she was telling me about like all these different things that she has been through like she got into um like a car hit her before so she was like in the hospital like for weeks at a time and um, just regaining her momentum and her strength was just something that was very difficult for her. And I was just happy that she actually learned about OT because she was in the hospital. So she was like, I didn't realize how um, beneficial OT was until like she was in that predicament. Right. So um, her understanding what OT is, but then her loving the kettlebell because of like, as you said, these little things that you introduce to your client or your patient you just show them this one little thing and then they just start to get obsessed with the bell by themselves. It's not like us like forcing it out upon them. Yeah. Um, but it's a great thing because they see the benefits for themselves as they get stronger. So um, I agree too. I'm, I'm biased with the bell as well. <laughs> um, the barbell and the dumbbell have their, their parts to it. But when you have to think about accessibility, when you have to think about the ability for somebody to do these exercises at home by themselves without like us being there. Um, they can literally initiate the ability to do these movements on their own. Once they learn these skills, like why not the kettlebell or why not the dumbbell versus like a barbell that costs God knows how much money because they got to buy plates and all this other stuff. Like it's just like not needed if you're not trying to like set up a gym or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my patients too, they just like, I feel like because the kettlebell is so unique and sometimes they, sometimes the first time that they really see a kettlebell or even work with the kettlebell, it's when they see me. So they feel like, oh, this is cool. Like I can do this with the kettlebell kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that kind of motivates them too, to, 
and it makes you feel good you know if you're able to do like something cool like a kettlebell swing or if you're doing I don't know whatever movement that you haven't done and you've only done it with a, a dumbbell or, or a barbell and you're able to do it with a kettlebell it sometimes my patients just feel like so happy that they're able to do it and so that kind of motivates them and empowers them even more to to continue learning about it so yeah like it's fun when they see like their coach or their therapist doing the exact movements that you're prescribing them to do and they're like okay like if they're doing it then it must be good you know like there's so many coaches out there that will prescribe crazy things to these to their clients and you will never see them do that stuff they're so, not even doing it yeah <laughs> exactly so like what's the point you know so like that's always something to keep in mind for anybody that's listening to this episode if you are looking for a therapist or looking for a coach always try to see like what their routine is too like what exercises are they performing on their own during their strength training um sessions are they doing things that are similar to you and if they're not like you have the right to question that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you should. And, yeah. uh, and even though like, I do have a bias towards the bell, I never try to force it onto somebody. Like if somebody's like, you know, I, I really don't like the kettlebell. I, I only have dumbbells and that's what I like. Then we're using dumbbells. Like, again, right. it's just a modality. And I think that as long as the, the patient or the client is happy and they feel that they're, you know, being pushed towards their goals. And I don't really think that whether it's a dumbbell or a kettlebell, that it really should matter, you know? Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So on the last question I have for you is, do you have any advice for anyone that is in PT school or maybe a new grad that just passed their boards and they're about to get started with their first PT job or maybe somebody that's interested in orthopedics and sport sports performance type of specialty in PT, what is some advice that you might give? Um, I would say continue learning, you know, continue learning as much as you can. What you learn in school is very valuable, but I think that that just touches the surface. Um, You know, you want to be able to provide the best possible care for your patients and with that comes the responsibility of continuing your education past what you learn in school. Um, so I would say, you know, be ready for that and, and uh, find a mentor, you know, find somebody that's been where you've been or that is uh, in that direction at least and someone that, you know, can, can turn around and be like, hey, I did this this way, maybe, maybe do it this way to make it a little bit easier for you or to give you advice on what courses to take or how to go about certain things. So I I would say definitely just, you know, make sure that you're, you're not being complacent and you're not being just somebody that clocks in nine to five and goes home and that's it, you know, and there's, there's a lot of jobs where that's okay. But I think that we have such a big responsibility as healthcare professionals to just be the best for our patients, because they are literally counting on us to guide them in the right direction, you know, and they don't really know any better. So if somebody tells them one thing, and it's completely wrong, they won't, they won't know any better. So I think that, uh, or I guess they won't know any better right away, you know, they might learn later on. But I think that it's, it's our responsibility to be able to keep up with the current literature and, you know, do do the things that are going to 
provide the best possible experience and care for our patients. Cause they, again, they depend on us for that to be able to live their lives um, however they want to. Okay, that was perfect. That was like really great. Like I, <laughs> I don't have anything to add because it's the same thing with OT as well. Like, as you said, they depend on us, you know, like they come in with no type of assumption or judgment with us as therapists, whether you're a new grad or not, they are coming to you thinking that you have all the answers. And even if you don't have all the answers, that's okay. You know, like, it's okay to take a step back and say, like, I don't know, but let me go look it up or I'll get back to that in like maybe the next session and I'll get that answer for you. But um, definitely seeking out a mentor and just continuing to learn because as we continue to grow, as human beings are tending to live longer, the research is going to continue to change. Our work is going to continue to change. And we just got to be very, um, you just got to keep up to date with that stuff. So um, Annie, I'm so glad that you came on to share your gems and your knowledge. Um, very appreciative of you, Annie, for everything that you have said on this episode. I hope everybody have learned a thing or two um, as well about PT, um, just about that, just a different specialty in terms of just like the regular, you know, working in a hospital, working in a SNF, I think um, that orthopedic side and especially specific to sports performance and training or just working with active um, adults is something really key to my heart because like we both are active adults ourselves. Um, <laughs> so like caring for those who just want to be continuing that active lifestyle is so important. So I'm just grateful to know you, Annie, and you're doing an amazing job as a therapist and just keep doing what you're doing, girl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, anytime. So at the end of the episode, I usually give my guests the opportunity to give out their information in terms of like Instagram or any other projects that you may be having. This is your time to tell the audience. Um, yeah, so if you need to reach me, I think the best way would be uh, through Instagram. My handle is at HughesA03, which is H-U-G-H-E-S, like my last name. A03. So that's, I think that's the best way to get in contact with me. All right, guys, there you have it. And this is the episode where Annie and I were talking about being a Black health professional. Annie just sparked all these awesome gems of knowledge. And I hope you guys learn a thing or two. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything in this episode, feel free to hit me up on my Instagram, Reaching Your Potential, or my email. You guys have that information but that is it for now i will talk to you guys soon